Bracha. So today's little Torah Shir podcast will be dedicated to the yard site of Rav Avadya Yosef. And what we're going to be doing is telling some stories that he himself told and Chizukim that he himself taught, and also some stories um, about Rav Avadya himself from the book Sipurim Chizukim which Baruch Hashem they have here in the base I'm stationed at. So Bezrat Hashem, let's jump right into it. And our Torah study should inspire us to be more mitchazek and it should bring chizuk to all of Am Yisrael. We need it so much. So let's start with a very famous story that the Rav would say. The Chafetz Chaim, it was getting close to Sukkis and he built a sukkah right next to his house. And the Rabbanit came to see it, and she didn't like the place of the sukkah. She asked the Chafetz Chaim, can you switch the place? Immediately, you know, without thinking twice, the Chafetz Chaim took down all of his sukkah and built it in another spot. I have to remember, now again, back then, it wasn't a portable sukkah. It was a big deal with nails and wood, but the Chavetz Chaim didn't hesitate to make his wife happy. And he built the sukkah again in a different spot in his house. It took a long time. His wife looked at it and said, you know what? I actually think it would be better. I'm so sorry, but it would be better in the, other, in the other spot. And immediately, without thinking twice, the Chavetz Chaim took down the sukkah and rebuilt it in the new spot. So from here we see, this is again what Ravadi would teach us, the patience that we have to have for everyone, in particular for our Eishas Chayos, to realize that what they say is like, they're the middleman between us and Hashem, and we do what they say, Bezrat Hashem, to make them happy, without making them concerned at all, Bezrat Hashem. In fact, Ravadi himself, his Rabbanit, when they were, I guess, uh, going on their dating, as they, he, the Rabbanit asked, and what's going to be if we run out of food? And the Rav didn't give her a shear about uh, bitachon or anything like that. All, all the Rav said was, don't worry, right now I'm learning, but if there's ever a situation when we don't have uh, food in the refrigerator, I'll go out and work. So the Rav himself taught us the value of respecting our wives, really everybody. The Rav used to t- say another very famous, beautiful Hasidic story. So the brother of the Sanza Rebbe, who was also an Admor, was once uh, in Shabbos by a particular family with uh, a woman in the morning made uh, a tzalachat, a plate full of chamin, of, of chulent, hot, delicious food. And she was going to give it to all of the chassidim. And she gave to the Rebbe a little bit of this uh, chulent before she gave to anybody else. And the Rebbe began to eat, and then he was going to start his shear. And then he asked, wait, can you make me another plate? And he ate again, and again, until it seemed thoughtlessly he had finished all of the chulent of this woman, and only then did he start the shear. So afterwards, when this, you know, after Shabbos, when the Rebbe was alone with the rest of the Hasidim, 
the Hasidim asked the Rebbe, Rebbe, how could you do such a thing? You know, you know, there's a value in eating, even even on Shabbos, we have to eat within a certain degree of uh, normalcy, and how could you eat without taking into account all the other people? The Rebbe said, you don't understand. The food was disgusting. It had a terrible odor. And I knew that if everyone would start eating it, someone would make a sour face. So I knew that I couldn't just let people eat the cholent. It would get the cook fired and it would make her embarrassed. It could ruin her life. So I said, better that I should look like a fool who just eats cholent and maybe even get a stomachache than this person should be embarrassed. And again, what was Rav Avadya trying to give over? Obviously, that we should be so thoughtful before we embarrass somebody else, thoughtful of the feelings of others. Unbelievable story. And especially in this age of WhatsApps, where you could send one message which could uh, really shame people. We have to be so, uh, we always have to remember this story. All right, more, more. Right, we're getting uh, thirsty for Rav Avadya's Torah. So interestingly enough, uh, Rav Avadya used to talk about uh, a certain doctor that went to the heavens and they actually judged him in the heavens for putting up a particular tuda, a certificate of how great he was um, because they said it was coming from a place of arrogance. And um, Ravavadya was obviously trying to give over how far we have to run to not be arrogant. On the other hand, it could be there are times when we do want to put up our Let's say you want to show that you're a rabbi because then people will be mechabed your Torah more. So then that would be not a place of arrogance. It would be a place of stepping up to the plate. And, you know, you have to do something which may look a little arrogant, but it's L'shem Shemayim. The rub would stress that it's all dependent on your kapana. But at the same time, we have to be so concerned to not do things out of arrogance. For example, the rub would say, you know, it's good for people to, uh, for us to publicize when people give trumot to Beit Knesset, etc., because that will encourage more people to give tzedakah. But you yourself have to know, you know, what is your kavana when you're doing uh, a particular act. In fact, the Rav would tell over another story about a student of Rabbi Nachman who was asked to get up and be the chazan. And he said, I don't want to be the chazan, I'm afraid to be arrogant. Rabbi, I think it was Natan, said, yeah, but when it comes to a mitzvah, you just grab the mitzvah. Don't worry about the arrogance. When it comes to mitzvah, grab the mitzvah, and if there's arrogance, okay, you'll be judged on the arrogance, but you still have to, when it comes to a place of mitzvah, if you're the best chazan out there, you got to get up there and, and be the chazan. Now, to be honest, when I read this story, uh, it was a little scary because what it's trying to tell you is, on the one hand, the schar for doing a mitzvah is absolute. On the other hand, you will be judged if you're arrogant about it. So we have to find the balance of doing the mitzvahs to Shem Shemayim. But then uh, if we get, uh, you know, you're the chazan, everyone's singing, remind yourself not to be arrogant, that you're not all that. And usually Hashem finds a way to humble us and put us into our place. But uh, if we're humble ourselves, then maybe we won't need to be put into our place. It actually reminds me of a story of Pesach Kron uh, shared recently that Yaakov Shweki was going around to hospitals and um, singing beautiful songs to help people in the hospital. 
And Rav Kuron wanted to publicize this. And Shweki said he didn't want it to be publicized because he didn't want it to lose his heart in Shemaim. But Rav Pesach Kuron said, yeah, but think about all the people you're going to inspire, people you're in a similar situation, other, you know, singers, Yishai Rebo and etc. We're going to get chizuk from your mitzvah, and because of that, you're going to get even more schar in the next world because you inspired more good to happen in the world. So we have to obviously humble ourselves, but we also have to grab mitzvahs and know we got to step up and be that man. All right, another story about Ravavadya on a halacha lamaisa level. So once Ravavadya was giving a shear before his congregation, and a man walked in, and he was and he was looking to uh, to meet the rav. And right in the middle of the year, the rav said, "Yes, is it something important? If you want, well, we'll go right now. We'll have a quick meeting." And this is happening in the middle of the year, and to the shock of everyone, and the man said, "No, no, chas uh, shalom. I'm not going to make mivatel the Torah of everyone here, but uh, you know, can I take your number and we'll meet Bezrat Hashem another time?" And that's exactly what happened. It seems like Ravadi was trying to teach us that sometimes, you know, we say, oh, I'm the big rabbi, I'm teaching Torah right now, or we're with other people. What the Rav was trying to show is that we shouldn't be mezalzel with anyone. We should have patience and love for every person. Now, the Rav used to talk about Rav Mordechai Eliyahu, and how Rav Mordechai Eliyahu was... Also, mechaber anoshim, but at the same time, would never compromise on his values. So, for example, he had a special pairs of glasses where he really couldn't see a thing, but he would wear them when he was meeting with women that maybe weren't dressed up to the par that Mordechai would have preferred. He didn't want to see anything improper. He wanted his eyes to remain pure, so he could have those holy eyes. But at the same time, he didn't want to embarrass other people, and so he had to do tricks maintain his fear of God, and at the same time, um, honor other people and respect them. So, obviously, again, Ravavadi would tell those stories about Ramon Chalyao, because he was really trying to teach it to me and you. All right, on a different note, the Rav would always tell over a story about Rabbi Yezer, the father of the Baal Shem Tov, that passed away when he was 100 years old. And five years after Rabbi Yezer passed away, Actually, I take that back. Sorry. He had the Baal Shem Tov when he was 100 years old. When the boy was only 5 years old, his father told him, Yisrael, my precious child, remember that we only have to ask from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And if there's hard times, we ask a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And if we're scared, we're only scared before Hashem. In every matter, we should only turn to Hashem. And that was the tzavah, that was the last will that the Baal Shem Tov learned from his father. To teach us that we have only our Father in Heaven to turn to. Dafka last night in the Chaburah that was taught here in the base, that was exactly the message that the teacher taught us, which is that Sukkis is all about relying on a Kaddish Baruch Hu. But then in Simchas Torah, we bring it out into the world and we say, even without the Sukkah, we realize that everything that we do, we just turn towards a Kaddish Baruch Hu and our success is completely dependent on him. Dafka, during this time, I think we're all realizing that we can't rely upon the army as much as we try. We can't rely upon America. We can't rely upon the world. 
All we can rely upon is on the Kaddish Baruch Hu at the end of the day. On a totally different note, the Rav loved to talk about the importance of having a beard. He would tell over that the Baba Sali had a neighbor that had a very long beard. And every time the Baba Sali wanted to nullify a gazera, a decree, he would call in the neighbor, hold on to his beard, daven, and nullify all the decrees and the merit of the beard. The 13 um, levels of mercy that are found in the beard. As we say in the Tashlech. The Baba Sali was very, very, very big into the importance of having a beard. And so too the Rav, Rav Avad Yosef, believed in the importance of having a nice, holy beard. On a totally different note, the Rav used to tell over the following story from the Chasim Sofer. The Chasim Sofer once was walking with his students on the street, and he met a man that didn't like the Chatam Sofer. He didn't like him. And in fact, he was uh, speaking disrespectfully with a lot of arrogance towards the Chasim Sofer. And he started cursing in front of the Chasim Sofer and, and, and embarrassing him. And everyone was in shock. Chasim Sofer just was quiet. Let him say what he wanted. And when he finished his words, Chasim Sofer continued on his ways. A few days later, this chutzpah guy got a letter, a little envelope from the Chasim Sofer, Ratzal, and it was having money in it. And a letter of thanks from the Chasim Sofer. He was thanking him that in his merit, his sins were atoned. Because it says in the Gemara that if you're mavir al-midotecha, if you, you know, let it go, then uh, God looks over your sins. If you let it go and someone treats you wrong, God looks over your sins. And thank you that you gave me a Yom Kippur in the middle of the year. Unbelievable. So the tzaddikim, the true tzaddikim know, the maila, what great power getting disgraced was, and they take it with happiness, and they take it all with joy. So the next time someone uh, embarrasses us, we should give them a big hug. I don't know if we need it beyond the level of chasim sofer to give them money, but we should understand that it's really kapara from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I share a bit of a humorous story, but certainly, certainly relevant to our situation. So uh, in the previous war in Aza, when they were throwing missiles and shooting missiles all throughout Eretz Israel. So there would be sirens. And, you know, this 20 years ago, people were running into the, you know, into the shelters. And the Rabbanit retold how once, in the middle of the day, one of the boys closed the door with a lot of strength and it made a loud noise. And the son of the Rav, who was only two years old, right away when he heard the loud noise, he thought it was a, a siren. And he ran down to the shelter and he started saying, He just started saying to him, This was the education this two-year-old boy got that when you're in any type of situation of danger, immediately we turn towards Hashem and we start saying to him, so, Bizrat Hashem, you should remember that during this 
scary time. All right, a few more stories just to taste in the sweetness of the Rav. So um, the Rav used to tell over about the Chafetz Chaim, how he was once with his students, and he was uh, walking on Shabbos Kodesh to the base Knesses, and after they left the shul, suddenly a car was driving by. And the Chafetz Chaim was in shock when he saw this. And he was quietly saying to himself, Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos. So the students didn't really understand. Was he making a macha? I mean, he wasn't like standing with a sign. He certainly wasn't throwing stones. He was just whispering to himself. The Chafetz Chaim explained that he didn't want Shabbos to somehow be lowered in his eyes by seeing this car driving by, seeing this Chilul Shabbat. Now that I think about it, I'm trying to remember if there were cars in the times of the Chavetz Chaim, but he saw some sort of Chilul Shabbat. And in that way, he was reminding himself of the holiness of Shabbos. And something that for me is, you know, very relevant right now, because in the army, of course, we have to, we have no choice, but, uh, you know, we're in a Kuach Nefes situation. We have to go sometimes in cars, sometimes in the radio, have phones on us. At the same time, it's so important to remind ourselves of the holiness of Shabbat. Um, somehow, maybe through an extra davening, through extra songs, extra um, kiddush, maybe just wearing a white shirt when possible. All of this year, just me giving muster to myself. So, anyways, that's my muster for myself. All right, let's throw in two, maybe three more stories, and we'll call it a day. Because uh, this book is huge, I'm just I've read read to you maybe uh, not even one out of one out of twenty of the stories of inspiration that we're glad you would share. But we got to start somewhere. All right, two more stories. So the Ravadi would retell how once there was a man and a woman. His wife prepared him a nice dinner with some delicious cheese, and she put it outside so that when the man finished his learning, he would eat the uh, the dinner. And a, a raven came, a parsha, and ate the uh, the food. So she was so upset. She said to her husband, "I'm so sorry. I made this food for you. It was going to be so delicious." And the man said, "Stop! Stop! Stop! It wasn't my food. It wasn't mine." She said, "You don't understand. I made it." And she said, "No, it wasn't my food." And she did not understand until he explained. Clearly, if the raven ate the food, it was meant for the raven. Hashem made that food for the raven, not me. So again, to tell us, to teach us that whatever happens to us, you know, if we lose something, if someone takes something, that wasn't meant for us. That wasn't meant for us. So uh, again, reminding us of the importance of munat imad, that everything happens from a kadosh baruch hu, and, uh, and we have to accept it with happiness. And I'll tell real quick one last story about Ruvavadya. I have a podcast about this somewhere else. Ravavadya uh, was once approached by a woman and she said she was a widower. Ravavadya, in the middle of the night, spoke with her and promised her that he would support her. And that's how it was. For many years, every Rosh Chodesh, she would come over, Ravadya would come up with a certain amount of money and he, he would support her. Now, now, um, Unfortunately, Ravadia passed away, 
And this woman didn't have a, a source for Parnassah. And one day she decided to go to the grave of Avadia, right in Sanhedria. And she was crying, please, Hashem, the schus of Avadia, support me. And she fell asleep and she had a dream. And in the dream of Avadia, told her, I will support you. Go to this and this place, this Simcha Hall, and you'll meet this and, and look for this and this person. And that's what she did. She actually had the dream several times. She went to a hall somewhere near Nea Sha'arim. She asked for a particular person, and indeed the person had been sent there also by Ravavadya in a dream. They met up to this day. He supports this woman. Nezrat Hashem. We should uh, haste from the sweetness of Ravavadya, such a tzaddik who taught our generation so much. Again, this wasn't meant to be a biographical story about Ravavadya, but Ezrat Hashem another day will uh, tell some stories about who he was. This was meant to just be a taste of the sweetness of the stories that he himself would share in order to mechazek his students. And I hope you walk away on his yard site a little bit more mitchazek and the, maybe the most important thing is that up in the heavens, he should be a male tzotzer for the whole Jewish people and the schos of us learning from his Torah, of us drinking from his Torah. He should be begging the heavens, I'm sure he is, to save our people. Forgot to say, so often after his shir, Ravadia would they would dab in marv and they would actually do a riku. He would insist that they would they would do a, a dance after the uh, the learning. So I hope wherever you are, you're doing a dance, and I'm signing out from the base here in Tellen. Have a great day.